I am Cap Watkins, and you're listening to The Progression Podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Progression Podcast. Today, I have on Cap Watkins, who needs no introduction, and I will give him a very short one because we cover what he's been up to in the first few minutes of this interview. But safe to say, he is one of the experts when it comes to thinking about growing designers, growing people at work, uh, what it takes to be a good manager. So across Practical Works, which was his coaching business, through to jobs at Amazon, BuzzFeed, Primary now. Uh, So he taught me a bunch of stuff in the interview, as you'll find out, uh, and was just an awesome person to speak to. This interview is, again, three or four months old, so I'm sure lots has happened since uh, in terms of what he's up to right now, but it is still super relevant to everyone. So enjoy Cap, great to have you on the podcast. Um, we'll get into the whys, but some of the, your work around uh, BuzzFeed has, has been a big part of forming my thinking around progression and, and what I'm up to. So it's it's um, an honor to have you on. Uh, you are currently the CXO at Primary, uh, and you're responsible mm-hmm. for design, product, people, and now engineering, and we'll get into that in, <laughs> in a second. Yeah. Um, so, um, but up until recently, you were you spent about a year um, as a professional leadership coach um, and yes. an organizational consultant, Practical Works, which was a really interesting thing uh, to take on. And it'd be great to find out a little bit more about that. Um, so that was really helping um, managers, new managers and managers of managers uh, grow and uh, be better managers, I suppose. Uh, before that, you were at BuzzFeed um, and you led the product design team there. Um, and before that, Etsy, Amazon, and various other companies that lots of people have heard of. So I think we should just dig into it. I'd love to find out um, a little bit about what you're doing at Primary and how that's kind of different. You've kind of worked at companies of varying sizes um, and you've you've joined Primary at the ground floor, it sounds like. so. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Prim- so Primary is about four years old. <clears throat> they started in 2015. Um, and yeah, so I'm, it's kind of, I mean, ground floor a little bit. I mean, I've, you know, I've been like the first designer at startups. So this is a little bit further along than, I'm, than that. Um, but definitely a little bit behind like where Etsy or, uh, Buzzfeed were when I joined those companies, we were almost 10 years old at that point. So they were like really entrenched. They knew who they were, like they had a really strong sense of that. Um, and I'm at this really, I'm like joining primary at this really interesting moment, I think where we are really investigating like who we want to be when we grow up you know like which is kind of funny because we're a kids clothing company um <clears throat> so investigating who we're going to be when we grow up is kind of uh perfect uh and uh yeah and so we're doing some really deep thinking right now about uh our values like because we, we've had values from the founders and they're really great but they like we need to make make we're just taking a really hard look at them and making sure that they feel really crisp and like where we want to go and uh, driving some mission stuff. And like, I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's like the perfect time for, I think me, I don't, I don't know that I would be much useful that, or that much as, or as useful earlier, you know? <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so I feel like this is the right, perfect inflection point for me to have like kind of started up with them. Awesome. And we found out recently because you, you mentioned this on a, a Slack channel that we're both on, um, that you've been given the engineering team 
so you're you're actually looking after quite a large if not all of the wider product part of the business it sounds like the cto um who's been at primary for four years announced a couple of weeks ago that he was leaving and he i mean i knew a little bit earlier than that because <laughs> he told me <laughs> but uh, uh which is very nice of him yeah and so i was talking to the founders about you know instantly you're just like what are we gonna do <laughs> like it's uh it's kind of a thing you know we talked about it a little bit and um I don't know. I like I, I've come up in startups like I write code. I've worked really close with engineers. I love engineers. I like know enough to be pretty dangerous in most conversations at this point in my career. It also turned out like the engineers on the team are all like really strong and really kind and thoughtful and strategic. And so, I mean, what they needed from me wasn't like how to write the code on the website. You know what I mean? Like that's like right, not, right. they don't need that from me. They need help with like career management with hiring, you know, like we need to hire an engineering leader, even with me involved, uh, hiring senior engineers to join the team. Like, you know, it's like, like we need help with that and I can do all of that. You know what I mean? That's something I actually like have put a ton of time into. And so I think it just made sense to at least give it a shot. I'm someone who likes to try stuff, uh, and then see how it goes. Like at Buzzfeed, I also ran like it for a couple of years. I ran like an operations team on the business side for about a year. And it's like, you know, I like trying those things. And then if they don't work out, being really quick to say, like, this isn't going well, we should do something. And so, uh, so yeah, and like, yeah, so I'm just giving it a shot. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So now I'm managing them and uh, product and design for the company. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's uh, the, the endless debate of seat at the table, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. You know, you have, you have, you're living the dream, Cap. You're I'm the only one at <laughs> the table, Johnny. This is like, it's not, it actually isn't that great. Um, <laughs> I mean, I had a long talk with the whole like the whole engineering team yesterday. Yesterday was my first day kind of like managing them. The CTO's last day was Friday. So it's very fresh. And so I had, like a staff meeting with them and the designers and was kind of like, hey, like, just so you know, this is this cannot just be up to me. You know what I mean? Like the like the success <laughs> of this team, like if I'm allowed to run around, just do whatever I want, we're not going to be happy. Um, and so or successful. And so I was kind of imploring everybody to like step up and take some accountability and push back on me and help me with ideas and stuff. Because otherwise it's just like, yeah, I am the only, like currently I am the table from product design and edge. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like trying to bring them more, like the non-managers more into it, I think is the only way it'll be, it'll actually work, you know? Well, you've always been very open about what you've been up to and it'll be fascinating to watch this process evolve and 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 see how you get on coming from a design background or coming from a part of the organization that traditionally has not necessarily sat at the top of this mm. tree um do you think that your there's an opportunity for you to bring a different set of skills or a different uh different outlook to this role or um are you are you trying to like put on a cto hat and uh <laughs> um it's a little of both you know i think like the when i think about what is different about me maybe than a lot of like CTOs I've known at least is like, I care a lot about product strategy, which is not a design thing necessarily. Like a lot of designers, you don't give a crap about that either. I feel like that's the one unifying thing across disciplines when I've seen engineering and design and product be successful. It's when they're all strategic partners, you know, where like the best engineers I've worked with really care about why we're doing what we're doing and really want us to do the right thing you know, like to, for our customers and the best designers I've ever known and worked with, like do the same exact thing and the best product people do that. And so I do see like, <clears throat> you know, there's a couple different types of CTOs. There are like 
at least in my life that I've seen, they're the kind that are like extremely technical, that kind of lead from a very technical standpoint, you know, like how are we going to scale this and build this and evolve the system? Um, and they're strategic in that way, but not necessarily about what we're delivering to customers directly. And then there's the other type of CTO who is more managerial, more high level, like maybe somewhat strategic from a product perspective. <clears throat> um, I find that to be rarer uh, personally. And so like, I think like if anything is going to change, and this is what I was telling the team yesterday, if anything's going to change, it's just going to be that I'm going to engage all the, all of them more and push them more on strategy and like being accountable for why we're doing what we're doing. Um, <clears throat> and I think like that might be the difference. It's not really the design thing so much. Right. You know, right. I think like it's I, more a, I, it's more of a personal preference at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like I said, I think it's everybody's job. So I think like that's, you know, to be strategic and to think about the user experience that we're delivering. And so um, I've said this for a long time, but now I'm in position to actually like make it true. So yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I'm going to write my first engineering career ladder, you know, like and that's awesome. gonna, inside of that will be something about strategy and being accountable for the final outcome that it gets delivered to customers, you know, and I think like that's like going to be a change. Well, well, we'll get into career ladders in, in just a second, but I, what I'd, I'd love to talk quickly about uh, practical works because you spent, was it about a year you spent yeah. doing that? Well, A, the transition from a role in a product team through to working from home being entirely self-directed and um, uh, I suppose your calendar must have just immediately looked so different. So, that, so there's that uh, and, you know, coming from someone else who went from a very structured day, lots of things put in my calendar for me to suddenly having to work out how to fill it myself. Um, right. Uh, but but also, I suppose the, the most interesting thing, probably for the people that will be listening to this, is are there any big takeaways that you, you got from that year around the big things that new managers are worried about and, and people are worried about when thinking about going into management? Any kind of uh, snappy observations or I put you on the spot here but yeah no there were definitely there were definitely themes and I noticed them I, I would write them down like I had like a notebook where once I realized there was like a theme that was emerging I would like write it down but one really strange experience I had was like there were multiple times in that year where there'd be a week where in the same week everyone would be talking about the same thing and these people don't know each other at all like right like no they don't talk they don't know each other but they would have exactly the same problem in the same week you know, and it was so, it'd be like the, it'd be, I'd be on the sixth or seventh person I was talking to that week and they'd bring it up, whatever it was. And I just start, I would kind of start laughing and they were like, why are you laughing? It's not that funny. I'm like, it's not you. It's just like, you're like the seventh person in a row to like say this to me. And it's just like so interesting that that's happening at the same time. It's, I think it's, I was like, is it like a, you know, a tides thing or what? Um, yeah, it's like the position of the moon or Mars or some sort of viral tweet that everyone's read and has suddenly made everyone worried about. A, yeah, right. No, that actually that's a good actually that might that's a good observation. That might be true. I, I mean, the one thing that's kind of comforting and also terrifying is that like it's all the same shit. All of it. Like every new manager deals with the same exact problems. Like there's different flavors like or different like, you know, obviously like just different people involved or whatever. But it's like all the same stuff. It's like for design managers, it's like, how do I make the case to grow my team in an organization that's like heavily run by like engineering or product, right? Like that's like, like, how do I prove the value of this discipline enough that I can like get the headcount we need to do good work, right? Like that's like something that come, comes up all the time, all the time. Mm. Um, or 
I mean, a lot of people came to me because their manager wasn't giving them support. So like, that was definitely a theme, right? Is like people's managers. So like, we're talking like director level plus, like kind of checked out, you know, or like not available or like, I see them once a month. You know what I mean? And like, that's not enough for people, like for good reason. They're, they're correct that that is not enough. Um, <clears throat> trying to think what else there was like, I mean, hiring is hard for everyone. Like, it's just like hard to do it well, hard to make sure you put the time in. You're really stressed out about it at the same time. Like, it's really tough on people, especially when you're a new manager, because you haven't done it. Like, you may have participated, but you've never been like running the show. And so it's like a whole different kettle. You know, you, I always thought like as a manager, it was like a thing where I could give people the tools so that they don't make the same dumb mistakes I made. You know, I actually imagine it's like my parents, maybe. They were like, well, we put our hands on the stove, so he's not going to do that, right? Like, we're going to stop our son. <laughs> but you know what happens? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I walked right up to that stove and slapped my hand on it. So it's like, it's really interesting in that way. I always thought that maybe we would like be, progress. I could help us, you know, as a manager, help people like progress past the stuff faster that I yeah. went through so that they could get to it. But it actually turns out there's real no, really no substitute for experiencing all this stuff for yourself. Absolutely. And like kind of making yeah. the mistakes and stuff. You have to feel the pain yourself. I, wh- one thing I think that's really interesting, and hiring is probably the exact the, the embodiment of you're losing control over the outcome somewhat. You know, if you're mm. doing the work, then to a greater or lesser extent, you put in work and there is a predictable return on investment. Whereas re- with hiring, it's just so far out of your hands in so many ways that um, it's it's very difficult to to deal with that conceptually and and you can have terrible days which you didn't see coming and things like that yeah but yes no i i totally agree and and uh however many management books you read and however many yeah keynotes you watch (laughs) you gotta learn it yourself it is true i mean i also like find that people can be and well i'm i think we're going to talk about this later too but like people can be overly literal about the stuff that they get out of these books. And they, they're like, well, I tried this thing I read and it doesn't work. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, well, but there's like 200 other books that like have contradictory or complementary information. You know, and it's like, it's kind of like taking, like I read a lot <clears throat> of management books and even if they suck, like, or even if they're like repetitive, like it's, I'm still like taking pieces and like kind of, it's like a puzzle in my mind. that's like kind of like building my own personal philosophy over things. I think this is the other theme I saw a lot. It's like, People like new managers because they're kind of like, and I'm not saying everybody needs to do this as soon as they become a manager, but at some point to be successful and to grow as a manager, you need to really start to develop your own personal philosophy about like what you want a team to be. And there were so many people where I would, I would just point blank ask them, you know, like, what is this team supposed to be? Like, what do you want their values to be? What do you want them to like? How do you want them to make decisions? And like, no one has thought about that. Mm. You know, even like director level people, like there are people who just like had no idea. They were kind of just it was like it was happening by accident because they were just being them, you know. And I think like there's a moment for managers where it's really important to get super intentional. Otherwise, because like you got to know who you are and you got to know what kind of team you're building or it's going to happen to you by accident or you're going to like build something really incongruous um, that isn't really operating well. And so I think that's a thing I noticed a lot, too, is people just aren't being super intentional about that. Yeah, culture happens whether you like it or not. Turns out. (laughs) This episode is kindly sponsored by the Deliveroo Experience Team. 
I can say, as someone who spent two and a half years working there, that Deliveroo is an amazing place to come and be a designer, a researcher, or a UX writer. You'll get to break out of not just the screen, working on real-life problems around getting food from kitchen to table, but out of London, going out to solve problems for customers, riders, and restaurants in 14 countries around the world. There's a bunch of open roles as we speak, with everything from senior managers to product designers, UX writers, and researcher roles up for grabs. They're looking for applicants from diverse backgrounds, and if you're not sure if you qualify, you should definitely apply anyway. The job descriptions are not a checklist. All you need to do is head to delivery.design to check out what the team are up to and what your next job could look like. That link is also in the show notes. Thanks. So yes, no, this is an excellent segue. Thank you for doing my job for me. No problem. Uh, <laughs> into um, a blog post that you wrote uh, two or three months ago. So uh, a bit of backstory. One of the uh, I built this site, Progression.fyi, and one of the most popular design frameworks on there is the BuzzFeed one. I, anecdotally, oh. uh, people click on that and and it's very readable. Um, you can clone it very easily. It's in a document format, which I think differentiates it from a lot of the spreadsheet type frameworks, which are kind of harder to pass. Um, so people, people jump onto it. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what led you to write a blog post telling people not to use it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um i think like backing up a little bit about why we put it out there in the first place is kind of helpful maybe in, in explaining why i wrote that post i think the uh you know something i noticed as a manager was that like like there's a lot of books on management right and kind of like it's it's they're mostly philosophical like i mean there's some stuff around process but not that much um but when I started to, when I was at Etsy and I was working on our recruiting process, because I was like, the I was solely working on that. I was trying to build a good recruiting process for the design team from scratch, having never done anything like this before. Like we didn't really have anything. And I'd cut the recruiters out of the process to force myself to like figure it out by myself. And there was nothing online. Like it was like nothing. Like no one had like, like interview questions like banks no one that couldn't find anything like i was making everything up like exercises to give people like nothing was out there not like i had to make it all up by myself and that meant that like we went through a lot of iteration and had some pretty painful interviews you know what i mean like where it's like it was bad for us bad for the candidate like i felt really bad about it like you know iterated thank god but like still it's like we went through this really tough time <clears throat> and then while I was there, I also wrote a career framework because we didn't have one. I took a pass and then left maybe like left the company maybe six months later, got to BuzzFeed. The design team was kind of in a bad place. They didn't have a career framework, which seemed like kind of the thing everyone was like one of the big things people were struggling with. was like they didn't know if they were doing a good job or not. Um, and so I was like, well, this is on fire. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to like literally pluck the Etsy one that I wrote airdrop it in like just swap the names like right like i literally find your place etsy with buzzfeed <laughs> in this career framework and i shipped it like in my first week probably i shipped this thing and you know whatever it was fine like people were like oh thank god something's here you know and like they were kind of, and you know whatever and so review time comes around six months later and we start to try to actually use this thing and it is like completely unusable for the purposes of like our company and our team and like all this stuff. Right. And I was like, well, okay, <laughs> so <laughs> maybe we should start over. Um, and so the, you know, I grabbed the 
design managers and like we had a two day offsite where we like completely wrote it from scratch, like just completely started over. You know, I've tried to share a lot in my blog over the years about recruiting, about kind of the numbers behind it, question bank. I've tried to be pretty open because nothing was there for me. And so <clears throat> when we were going through this process and like I was like, this is really hard. It's taken us days to feel like we've got something good enough to even like use that solves our problems. And so I was like, we should share this. Like we should put it out there. So at least like there's material you know what I mean? And we can, and we wrote about it. We wrote about why we did it. Like, and every year when we changed it, we talked about why, um, cause we would evolve it every single year and we'd write a post accompanying it, explaining the changes for us, mm. right? Like what was going on in our team at the time, why we would do this. So I think the, like the intent was if someone was ever like, ah, oh, like, I don't know how to write a career framework, they would find this along with maybe the blog posts and have like something, you know, have like a have context and information about what was going on so they can make their own decisions. Um, and I'm not saying that no one's done that, but like I've gotten a lot of people who've approached me at conferences or, you know, in like meetings like that, like my one on ones over my leadership coach thing. And they were just like, hey, like, so I tried this thing and like it's a terrible document, totally doesn't work. My I like, just <laughs> took it and used it. You know what I mean? And it, like just, just doesn't work. Like they would say it just like that, like accusatory, like I'd done something <laughs> to them, you know? And I was just like, uh, yeah, you just took it. Like, I was just like, I was kind of like, you just, you just copied it. Like, yeah, that's never going to work, you know? And I think it kind of ties into having your own philosophy about things where it's like that. And that's what I explain to people is that document is my personal philosophy about product design, right? It's like, that is the team that I build and that may not be right for you. <laughs> like it is like highly, I, a lot of people think that I'm a lunatic in product design. So like, you know, like the way I build teams and the way I think about their skill sets. And so like, maybe this isn't right for you or your organization. It, like it was good for us at 30 people. Maybe it's not good for you at five people or a hundred people. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's like a lot there to unpack. And I think what people see, what people thought it was or think it is when they find it on websites like progression of, you know, like, no offense. Mm. Like, I think when people find stuff like that, they think like, oh, like, I can just take this. Like, it's a it's an artifact I can just use. <clears throat> and I don't think that that's healthy or necessary or even going. I think there's a low chance of success. And so, like, I think trying to get people to be more critical, like even at primary, like, I don't have a design career ladder because we have one designer and I'm, I, you know, she's super senior. We're kind of like working it out um, at, the, at this moment. But like, when we do need that document, like it's not going to, I might take pieces that I'm like, yeah. oh, well, this is always the same. Like take, take, take. There's going to be a lot of stuff that makes no sense whatsoever. You know what I mean? And it's just like, we're not going to do that part and we're going to change it or, you know, make it ours. And so um, I just think being like, again, it's a leader. It's the leadership part of management where you have to have an opinion and you have to like bring your own personal philosophy to the documentation so that like it's the team you are intending to build you know what i mean using using these documents to inform your gut and to uh, give you a sense of how to structure a document like this and what some of the examples of things you might put in it and how those sentences might be structured for example uh, is really really valuable and and i've seen people get off the mark much more quickly as a result of that but yeah if you're well, if you're wholesale take your example that you gave in your blog post was learning to or being able to code and it's such a, a divisive skill. Um, and there are many, many teams where you can say, yes, it's important for you to know how to code, but not only will that freak people out, but you actually don't even need it. 
I mean, you're right. It's it's not serving <clears throat> or, anyone. Or right. like it's a situation where you're not willing to support it either. I, I noticed this too, where like people see that document sometimes and they they aspirationally want it to be true, right? Maybe someone's like aspirationally. I would like my team to code or I think that would be really neat or I think like it'd be great to have them focus more on pattern development or whatever. Right. But like I try to be I, I've coached I've upward coached my managers at both like BuzzFeed and a little at primary about this, which is like, don't be aspirational in your values mm. or your documentation, because like when the rubber meets the road, that's not who you are. Like you need this yeah. document to be real. Like so when someone says. I need to take off like half a day on Fridays to teach myself HTML and CSS. You don't go like, why would you like, no, you got to get the work done, right? Like if someone comes to me and says that, I'm like, cool, let's work that out. Like, let's figure out a way to get you help with that. Like, yeah, because I'm willing to support my like documentation. And so like making sure that you're not just like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if this was all true, right? It's like, it right. has to be like, I'm willing to like, because otherwise what happens now is you're judging people because you're using this document presumably for reviews and stuff and promotions. I'm judging people and limiting their careers based on stuff that I'm not going to support them doing. And mm. so being, you have to be really, really real with yourself about what you're willing to do um, <clears throat> and let your team do in order for that to be successful too. You know what I mean? Like there is like a, there are people who think it's dumb to code and they probably delete that anyway, but there's the people who would like it to be true, but just don't want to put in the time. And so then you just should remove it also in that case. Yeah. This you know? document effectively forms a contract between you yes. and your team <clears throat> And they're saying, I will try and get to this level at this skill. And you're saying, I will support you in doing that. And if both both sides need to be true. There's actually a, there's a, a bigger conversation here for sure, which maybe we should get into, around this kind of cumulative nature of what is expected of maybe anyone at work, but definitely us designers. Um, three or four new skills turn up every year uh, that suddenly people are expected to understand, whether it's going further into understanding the business and strategy or whether it's going into coding or whether it's going into um, new paradigms like AR, designing for AR or voice. Uh, and it can feel a little bit too much like we're adding lots to the pile and not taking anything away. And I I, I just think that there's a really interesting, um, maybe as an industry, it's impossible to take things away because there's nuance. But as a team, you should be able to. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot about like, how much context matters. You know what I mean? At like, I've never been, not yet, I don't think, I've been in a situation where people on different teams have had wildly different expectations. You know, it's like, like the reality is that like someone <clears throat> at one of these companies who's working on the web probably also isn't being asked to go learn how to write AR or design AR. Like that's probably not happening, right? Like I like, unless they're like, hey, I would like to transfer to this team. I really want to learn this stuff, whatever. Like they kind of have some authority in there. I haven't managed a team big enough yet to have seen something like that where there needs to be a bifurcation of the design role. Because what I wouldn't want, and I think you're right, what I wouldn't want is one giant document that lists every possible skill set that someone might need at my company. Like if it was that broad and it was like true that like 30% of it was completely dependent on what team you were on. You know, like I might try to like at least like take that. Maybe that's the moment to abstract it a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. Um <clears throat> and so I also think there's something like at more senior levels that you can really start to abstract where it's like it's way less at senior levels about in like specific tools than it is about flexibility to be able to like learn something new. Right. Like it's like cool. Like you don't like 
if we have a brand new initiative and you're the senior person who wants you to tackle it, like you dive in and figure it out. You know what I mean? I think that's like, there's like a seniorness to that, that you can kind of like not say AR, but say AR, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And so <clears throat> there's probably something there, but. Also, if you put everything as a hard skill, then it's going to challenge, it's going to create huge challenges when you try and hire because you're looking for previous examples of that skill demonstrated when actually what you just want is adaptability to be able to go in and deal with it. I saw this great tweet that was like, um, someone had posted a screenshot of a job description. This is like a bunch of years ago. Like, so React had come out maybe two years previously to this tweet. And the screenshot was a job description that said six years of experience with React. <laughs> but it had only been out for two years. And the person was just like, what is this? Like, who wrote this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what you're right. That's what we're, that's basically what we're doing. You know, it's like this brand new thing. I'm trying to find like the two people in the world who've ever touched it. You know, it's like, that's not actually going to help me. I need people who can learn and like, and are strategic and smart about it so that they can like, you know, have an impact. The the the, uh, the other tension that I definitely see, and I wonder if there's anything that, that you've seen that can speak to this, is people do come with those extra skills. Someone might be able to produce music or be able to illustrate, and they're not core requirements of the role, but they do add value somewhere and they should be recognised as like an extra thing that you can do. Uh, so where you fit those in and what you don't want to do is completely ignore that and say that's of no value, but at the same time, if... They only have to produce music once every year. <laughs> then, then you can't put that alongside um, the kind of visual design side or, or something that is more core. So, well, I mean, look, there's always also going to be like <clears throat> a lot of that undocumented, intangible stuff. Like it just there just is, you know. It's like someone who is so social and knows everyone at the company and can make connections across anything, basically, like and makes a bunch of bridges. Like, it you could document that, but like that actually like. That isn't everybody that can do that. You know what I mean? It's like, and that wouldn't be fair to the people who are more introverted or whatever. But like the person who's doing that, like it doesn't mean you shouldn't reward them for that. And so there's always going to be that stuff. And I think like just good managers should like have documentation that feels generally applicable and like achievable, you know, in the places where, again, I think the senior thing is where you just get more abstract in that way. So it's like you bring your special way, your unique ways that you can add value. You're doing this, you know, kind of like giving them some room for that. Um, and then just making sure as a manager, you are recognizing it, especially when it doesn't look like you, right? I think that's the other thing. It's like, I'm very extroverted and outgoing at work. And I have to remind myself that that's not the only way to add value. And that people who like, aren't like me and maybe aren't just like making friends all over the place, like, you know what I mean? Or like, aren't like, or at least not visibly doing that. Like it, like they are probably adding value in ways that I can't quite see. And right. so like, and it's hard to capture that in a document. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to do that. And so just like talking to them, really understanding them, how they add value. And then like the real trick is like then to help them double down in those ways. So if someone's an amazing illustrator, yeah, yeah I'm not probably not going to document that we need people to do illustration work. Right? It's like, like yeah. that would be crazy. Um, but like I should be trying to find opportunities to leverage that skill set and then reward that person. You know what I mean? At the end of the day for that stuff. So. Absolutely. And that, that there's a real kind of point of failure if if the framework that you're using has been written by like one straight white man. <laughs> right. Um, and you know that everything from diversity in all sorts of different directions won't be represented then. And actually that the example you gave, which is kind of more um, 
maybe subtler in a way, more like a different way of working that makes you less visible, uh, but adds just as much value or, or has just as much, uh, in air quotes, impact um, is is kind of hard to hard to measure at that point. Yeah. Yep. It's really interesting. I like I, I was telling this. I don't know why I'm telling the story. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go somewhere. But like I tell the story sometimes about um, so when I was at BuzzFeed, we hired I hired a researcher um, named Brenna who I knew from Etsy. We'd actually worked together pretty closely on the same team. Uh, and we did this really big project together. She's an amazing researcher. Like she's one of my favorite people of all time. So we're still very close. And um, she so I hired her and this was her first time working for me. Like we had never like had that relationship before. Like, we'd only had our, like, kind of, like, peer designer researcher relationship. And, you know, the first six months, you know, we're having one-on-ones. I feel like it's going really well. She and I get along so great. Like, she would bring problems to our one-on-ones. We'd talk through them, come up with an answer, like, a solution or a direction. And she'd go and, like, execute that stuff. She's great. Like, super autonomous. So about six months in, we're doing, I'm running our biannual review process. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to ask Brenna for feedback. Like, I want to know what, and, and this is actually, I, I have de-anonymized feedback. So it's all like right. direct. She writes her feedback and sends it to me. And one of the things, one of her criticisms of me, she goes, I'm someone who really needs time to think through problems before I know what I think about any solution. Mm. And she said, when I'm in one-on-ones and I bring these problems, I feel like Cap, like, pushes towards a solution and wants to solve it in that meeting. And then like, but even when he gets somewhere or we get somewhere, I'm not sure I agree right away, but I feel like I have to go do it because we're like agreeing now. Interesting. And I had like no idea that that (laughs) was happening. Right. And it's like, and I immediately like our next one-on-one was like, Hey, like I am first of all, extremely sorry. (laughs) You know, It's like, like, I'm sorry for not paying attention and like not knowing this and not asking you like how, like, if you need time or what, you know, if you really agree or, like, I'm sorry I wasn't as proactive about that. Um, and we kind of just made an agreement to, like, I will always ask, like, you know, at the, if we if I feel like we're coming up on something, like, hey, how much do you need some time? It's cool. Take some time as you need. And I was like, also, when I screw up, you got to just tell me that you need time. <laughs> like, yeah. like, if I screw up and forget, like, just help me remember. Like, we'll, we'll have a trade or, like, make this happen. And it was just so interesting. It was like, I think because we were so, we were already we'd been peers before she felt really comfortable telling me that stuff. Yeah. Um, and it made me super aware of all the times that that's, it's that, that made me just so much more aware that it's not, it can't just be how I am. Yeah. You have, you have this kind of uh, a synapse opens in your brain. It's, there's suddenly this realization. You start looking at all the other things you do. Yeah. Yeah. I had something very similar actually last week. I was at, at a retreat on the final day, it was a four day retreat. And on the final day, we were kind of going around the room and deciding, uh, we did a, a start, stop, continue exercise, the things we would do off the back of it. And I, you know, I, I had like bullet points on bullet points of things I was going to execute immediately on my return. And, and then someone who went after me said, um, I've realized that I don't want to rush and decide what I want to do. And I want to take more time to, to think. Uh, and the next thing I'm going to do is learn more first. And just her saying that made me think, wow, you just really want to have an action on everything. <laughs> like there is, there always has to be kind of this, this um, immediate action. And, and it probably limits me in many ways uh, uh, because I'm not giving myself a moment to, to have a think about what it really means and find more information and, and iterate. So yeah, I, I think, 
I suspect we may have some similarities in in our. I don't want to tie you with that brush, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> I am who I am, Johnny. It's fine. I think that the the friction is, and this is this is the hard part about managing people. I think and like leading teams is like because earlier I was saying like it's really important to have a personal philosophy, right? It's important to have like to put a stake in the ground about like who you are as a leader and the team you're going to build and how we're going to operate, and that can feel contradictory to what I'm saying right now, which is like, everyone can't be like you. Yeah. Right. Like that. And those two things can feel on the face of it. Like those are at odds and they're not. And I think this is like the rub a lot of people run into is like, well, like if I am someone who like says my team's going to value, like, you know, uh, making progress, like as like a success metric, then that person in that one-on-one should like, develop the skills to be able to think more quickly on their feet and whatever. And it's like wrong, (laughs) you know, it's not actually true. Like that person can make progress. It's just like, there's different ways of approaching the same philosophy. And so like what I've realized over time is like, I need to hire a team that has similar, like that agrees with the values, the why we're doing stuff and then allow them to be inputs into how we're doing it. Because, like, they all, like, will do it differently. And we're going to discover really cool things about how we can work if, as long as we're all aligned. Because, like, the worst thing ever is, like, when you hire somebody who just completely disagrees with your outlook. Like, I remember hiring somebody once who, like, only a year later told me they completely thought no designer should code. And they didn't understand why we were doing that. And I was like, whoa! (laughs) You know, it's like... Like, and I was like, well, let's to get closer to engineering. They're like, well, why do we care about that? I just think that, like, we should be able to design stuff and, like, give it to them and, like, they can just build it. And I was like, this is, like, that is a, like, not, you know, we're never going to get anywhere because we disagree on that, like, fundamental core concept of collaboration. And so now we're stuck. <clears throat> but if we both agree that we need to be closer to engineering, I don't care if it's code. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like, there are a lot of ways to do this. And so, like, the... The fundamental disagreement isn't about code, it's about being close to engineering in this particular case. And so, like, making sure that we don't have those fundamental disagreements is really important. Yeah. Like, so that's why I I was like, what is your philosophy really? What do you stand for at a high level? So then you can hire people who agree, but can bring all of their experience in themselves to, like, finding ways to do that that maybe we haven't thought of yet. And are probably and are going to supercharge the team, you know, and unlock a bunch of stuff. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, really hard, really difficult. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, I I tend to get by the end of uh, each interview I do on this podcast, I end up just thinking, well, that didn't clear anything up at all. It's even harder now. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is no slur on anyone. It's more. It's, it's more. This is a, a difficult topic, uh, and um, which is why no book will really solve it ultimately. Yeah, and I think, I mean, like, the, the again, the comforting and terrifying thing is, like, I'm talking about this, but I haven't solved it. You know, it's like, I still, like, mess this up all the time, you know? And so it's, like, like the like the thing with that researcher, I've, I've been managing people a long time at that point. You know, I felt like mm. I had a pretty good thing going. And I still, yeah. like, I'm learning a lot about myself and about how to do this and about other people. And, like, I think it's just going to always be this way like the one thing i have confidence in is that like i'm gonna mess up and that's okay yeah. like that i can like be resilient to that and i can accept it and like do something different and that's all i can do you know yeah the traditional behavior that you pro- that 
you find yourself wanting to get into when you're in a leadership position is to look strong and look like you're you know everything and you're mm. you have a quick answer to everything and you've solved the problem before people have even seen it and um yeah solved it all and it's hard to switch out of that because showing that you don't know or that you messed up kind of looks a little bit like weakness or people might lose faith in you as a leader but it's so interesting i feel i feel like it's such a misconception i've never had anybody like in my life i don't think i've had anybody i've managed like think less of me for changing my mind or for asking for advice from them or like asking what they think or saying even up front this might not work you know like i've never like actually like every time i've changed something due to feedback or due to realizing i was wrong like everyone's been really grateful because like it wasn't working you know what i mean like why like 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 they were going to be stuck with it if I was going to be an egotistical asshole about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like if I really needed to be strong and like prove my point, like we were going to have a bad time. And so everyone's always really grateful. And I think it actually improves trust with other people to like admit that it might not go well. Mm. You know, like I, like my favorite thing to do with anything is to like tell everyone up front, this probably isn't going to work because like, it gives, I just literally in that moment, I built trust with them and gave myself permission to change it like yeah. instantly. But I haven't even done anything yet. You know what I mean? That's what I did yesterday. I was like, we're going to try some stuff. We're going to try to like change a little bit of the processes. We're going to re anchor some stuff on engineering. And I was like, also, like, it won't work. Like, some stuff is just going to like <laughs> not feel good or we'll need to tweak it. And I was like, the sooner you all say something, the sooner we can change it. Cause I don't care about my answer. I just want it to be good. Like, yeah. my goal is a strong, healthy team. And so whatever that means is cool with me. And so, like, tell, give me feedback constantly. And I think, like, that just, like, opens you up as a leader to just, like, A, now I will receive feedback. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm open for it now. I've opened my brain up to, like, take it in <clears throat> by saying that. And then also giving them permission to influence the team and influence me, um, which is good. So I, I always, like, the fun. it's so funny. I feel like the people who, like, come on the hardest are the people who are the weakest and, like, viewed mm. as the weakest by other people you know like they're the least movable even in the face of being wrong and it's just and they'll never admit it and they put the blame on other people and those people like no one likes working for yeah you know like it's really like i've worked for those people it sucks the experience that i've had people setting up frameworks uh using progression and and you know through talking to people the the biggest and first bit of advice that i always give is don't do it on your own. Don't go off into a room on your own and and you know sm- smash through all this stuff. Roll it out like it's done, uh, and then expect people to thank you for it. Uh, if you get <laughs> if you get everyone in a room together and ask them what's important to them, uh, not only will they do some of your job for you, so it'll feel less overwhelming, but also then you've you've done it as a team and and um, you've you've shown that you don't know everything yourself, uh, which you right. don't. Um, and um, everyone feels like they've kind of co-created this document that they can believe in. And I think that that plays to the same thing. You know, it's, it's sure, I may have this title and you have that title, but we're kind of doing this together and let's let's give it a whirl. We're just human beings on the planet, man. Like, it's like, you know, it's, uh, yeah. we're all accountable for, especially in startups. It's like, I was telling the team, I was like, look, like, we're a 50 person company. We all have a lot of equity here as a result of that. If the company's successful, we're all really successful. So, like, we should all feel pretty accountable and, like, we should be saying stuff about yes. it. You know what I mean? Like, trying to, like, make it good because, like, the good outcome's really good. Yeah. 
you know, for a bunch of us. So like, I don't know, there's like something there where like, there's this like unifying factor where it's like, we're not some mega corporation where like, you know what I mean? The, the actual goal is bureaucracy and power yeah, and moving yeah. up, you know, like it's yeah. like a 50% come, there's nowhere up to go. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, we're going to like, I mean, we're going to promote people and stuff and, uh, you know, as contributors, but like, there's not like, you, you know, if you, if someone has like, thinks there's some executive boardroom or something, it's like it's <laughs> yeah. me at a, at a small desk next to the CEOs, you know, like, it, like yeah. next to the engineering team. It's like, it's not like, there's not a ton of hierarchy going on and there's, so there's no game to win except yeah. for like make the business successful. And I like, that's what I really like about startups in general too. It's like, if anybody comes in with a political goal, it, they usually don't do so hot because it's like, that's not actually worth it. Absolutely. Like it actually just stops everyone from working as opposed to like in a big company where you can play that game for a long time and like be successful or whatever. And like, that's the goal. Like, I guarantee you, no one at Google is going like, how do we make Google super successful? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think like that's like, like a core <laughs> thought for most people at the company. You know, they might think about their little slice of it. But I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are going like, how, I know a lot of people going like, how do I get promoted to this company and get more? Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cap, I had more questions, but we should leave it there. I'm very okay. aware of time. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll do another one. Uh, give it another year. <laughs> so I'm waiting for I, you're missing a, a nice New York moment where like the sirens go by. This is like the New York Symphony Orchestra uh, <laughs> I, I for a brief moment. <clears throat> um, yeah, no, this was really fun. I had a nice time. Awesome. Um, you're speaking at Leading Design next month. Is that right? Yep. Unfortunately for everybody. Yes, that is happening. <laughs> um, um, yeah. where, where else can people find you if they for some reason have not seen your work yet? Uh, well, I'm mostly on the Twitters these days. Uh uh, you know, I know that's like a mental health hazard, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> um, so I'm just cap on Twitter. Uh, and then I blog once in a while. I've moved everything to my own servers now and stuff. So it's just uh, capwalkins.com and there's a blog link there. And if I think about primary stuff, that's where I'll put it. But that's kind of it. And if you're in New York, look me up. Just like shoot me an email. And uh, I love getting coffee with designers and stuff. So Awesome. Uh, cap, thank you so much for, for giving some time. No, I appreciate it. This is awesome. Speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to that episode. Uh, if you want to go and check out Progression, you can at progressionapp.com. We're launching in Q1, but you can get your hat in the ring a bit earlier if you want to. Just send me an email or a tweet or whatever you need to do. Uh, if you want to rate this podcast, please do. It really does help, apparently. And make sure you're subscribed to hear lots and lots of great episodes coming up. Thanks. Bye. Bye.